Welcome to Serially Hooked Star Wars with your hookers, Chris and Richard. And today, you're in my net. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and at SerialHooked.com where you can get all our latest info. And while you're at it, also subscribe to the podcast so you just get all of our episodes delivered right to you. Next week, we'll have a new episode of D&D coming your way in the middle of the week. And we will, of course, return to talk about the next episode of Andor on the weekend. But first, we have to talk about this one. And with that, how many guards are on each level? It's funny. When you said you're in my net, you said it was such like a casual tone of voice. I was just like... The way that Deidre says it in this episode it just gave me chills. Mm. So good. That that scene <laughs> as a whole, just like, ah, we'll talk about it. But like, yes, man, this episode is so good. I think from beginning to end, um, it's just so much, it's laden with so much tension. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's the episode that I was just like clenching all my muscles more than any other episode so far <laughs> this season. It's That's very true. And we have... We have three. Uh, we have three basically um, places that we cut back and forth, and there's just tension everywhere. And also because in this episode specifically, the scenes that we get on each particular place they aren't as long, so that also just gives you this feeling of uneasiness. And I thought it was just really well done. And yeah, we get some great great moments out of it and i'm sure we're going to talk about most of them if not all so what did you think happened in the before they revealed what happened in level two what would you think was happening there i mean first off just the idea that it the the people not really being able to tell is just you know so powerful because you can just see how how isolated this place is and of course the prisoners still find ways to communicate but it is nothing it, it is not it's very it's just very different from reality and i didn't i didn't think that they had made a mistake in any sense it would have been really interesting if just nothing had happened and everybody was just freaking out for no reason but of course something had to happen narratively and so uh it it makes sense that you know the way it happened it's just somebody fucked up and now just because of the environment of the prison uh you know they they can just kind of quote unquote cover it up even though the prisoners know it but they are prisoners so what are they going to do but i guess we'll find that out next episode but uh yeah what what was your theory yeah, I, I thought it was exactly what it came out to be. I thought it was like, oh, they just killed. I didn't know they killed everybody, but I was like, yeah. they they locked something down and they did something terrible because that's what this show is doing is that it's showing <laughs> the Empire is a really cold place. Not like the movies where it's really fun. <laughs> it kind of is at the movies. Let's be honest. <laughs> it's, not too it's, bad. it's just campy in a way. Yeah. In movies often, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what did you think... I don't know what what can you say what was your favorite maybe uh environment to be in was it the prison was it uh on Coruscant 
with Mon Mothma or on Coruscant with Deirdre? Um, that's a good question because I think by the end it ended up being the prison, but I think yeah. at the beginning it was um, probably with Deidre still because mm-hmm. just watching her, she's such a charismatic person and it makes me feel very weird that there's a, such this person you want to root for in the Empire. But uh, then also <laughs> if you also flip it around to the beginning of the episode, which I think is for me... Spoiler alert! My favorite episode scene of the episode. Yeah. Um, it the the depravity mixed with the charisma is a really deadly combo. Deirdre's is very interesting, and I think also narratively speaking, it's a it's a great choice to have somebody in in you know in ISB, somebody who is you know who's looking after the titular character and to to expose everybody he has been in contact with so you know it's it's just it does something very interesting i did like the i really did like the turn of kino through this episode um and yes him, oh, so yeah good. realizing how the empire was evil and he's never going to get out and all this it just and andy circus just just killing it with this performance, this whole se- this whole episode, and I'm, I have a sense we're going to talk about that moving forward. Uh, but and that's definitely if I, if I'm going to take out what am I going to take out from this episode as a whole? It, it's it's that for sure, and I think that has the biggest consequence on what we think is going to be the br- prison break episode next week. Yeah, I, I mean it has to be. <laughs> that would otherwise everything would be really weird, but. Yeah, I I loved it as well, how they tease it. Also, you know, all the different puzzle pieces and they don't necessarily connect. You don't really see it. But in the end, they all just fit together. And that's just good storytelling. Also, you forgot to mention the best scene of the episode, Cyril and his mother. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) What a relationship. Oh, so, so cringy. I mean, Cyril, this episode is just cringy. And we're gonna definitely gonna talk about that later, but borderline a criminal, a stalker, absolutely. And I don't know, he's. But the relationship with his mother is so weird, and I was just, I don't know, I just, it was just cringe all the way, in in kind of a well done way, and I think yes, that's the absolutely. thing that's odd. <laughs> and also, <laughs> he's always eating cereal. Does he eat anything else? Probably when he's not living with his mother, he is. <laughs> but maybe his mother just doesn't buy him anything else, so he has to eat that. Poor guy. Poor mother. Poor boy. Uh, just like the Poor whole everyone. thing. <laughs> but their relationship is uh, pretty unhealthy. That's to say the least, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so should we get into it? Yeah, this is a tough scene. This is a tough week for picking the top four scenes because there's so many good ones. And as you said, we go back and forth quite a bit. So yeah. let's get at it. What's your number four scene? My number four is on the unveiling of Vel being Mon Mothma's sister. So, so cool. So well done. And it is not it is not strictly speaking that scene where where it is revealed. I mean, we get a lot of great things from that scene including, again, the uh, interesting relationship between Mon and her daughter. And uh, also, even though he's absent in that scene, the uh, 
the uh, relationship between his uh, like her husband and her daughter just everything with Val was great this episode. Like, I, lo- I loved especially the dinner or like the, I think, was it dinner or was it breakfast? I don't even remember. Looked like lunch to me. <laughs> there you go. It's the third option. And, um, you know, the little verbal sparring match between the husband and Val. And that was great. And just out of nowhere. And now you obviously can draw lines in between the the different people how things got the way they got you know in terms of how how did this network start and it's just very interesting and i love it a lot especially because the two sisters just play very different roles yeah what an incredible reveal as well to see what vels and it's also i think it it underlines what i was thinking is going to happen last episode, the turn of Vel against Luthen in a way, mm-hmm. and her starting to find her morality. And just the fact that she is Mon Mothma's sister and that she seems to be so idealistic, similar to Mon Mothma, I think that will actually accelerate that and give a fundamental basis for that ideological shift. So I think it's a really great decision by the showrunners. And I think it's it sets up so much more. And then also when Mon and her sister are talking as Vel is leaving, and when Vel turns around and tells her that the rebellion comes first, we take yes. what's uh, left. I was uh, just like, Are you kidding? This is so <laughs> good. Like this show is just too much. Yes, it's I way know, too right? good. And I also really love that they showed us for the second time Mon Mothma try you know a you know, holding a speech that nobody cares about uh, because everybody's just on on the side of the empire and she is a critical voice and nobody cares and they start booing her and just leaving. And that's just soul crushing. And so we definitely can empathize with her. Do you think we'll ever get a scene with Palpatine in this episode or this show? That's very, that's a, I hadn't thought of that. Um, that'd be baller. Because I thought, because I saw like the Imperial Senate yeah. And I was like, uh, I mean, where's Palpatine? He should be in attendance here. <laughs> Maybe actually in this show, we see how he dissolves it. Oh, uh, does he? Because he dissolves it later on, though. He dissolves it in episode four, like, right? Yeah. Like, so it's quite, I don't think we'll get that That's far true. up. That's true. I feel like we'll get to the point in, like, Rebels or something like that, or, yeah. like, leading up to kind of stuff that we've seen at the end of Rebels. That's yeah. what I would imagine. Yeah, that makes sense. But, I mean, now you've got me hoping. Yeah, or worried. <laughs> or worried, but I don't know. Ian McDermott is just great. Yeah, and then Ian McDermott performing with Tony Gilroy writing. I'm yes. just like, <laughs> you know, do it. Everything you want. Exactly. What is your number four? My number four scene is the Cyril and Dedra scene. Yeah, that's um, my number three. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Uh, such creepy vibes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he just like pops out of nowhere. Just like a, I don't know. And it's just, if you twist, he twists every single thing that she says and she frames to his own interpretation. And I don't know what they're doing here. If they're setting up some sort of weird, creepy imperial romance, or is it just like some, uh, I don't know what's happening here. It's a weird relationship, but 
I think when he says to her, like, just being in your presence, I realized that life is worth living. I was like, ah, I wanted to vomit, honestly. Ah. I was kind of hoping that she would put him in jail and then he'd be sent <laughs> to Cassian and then he'd end up there. <laughs> oh, that'd been amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, I just like, <laughs> I don't understand what's going on here. Come on. Like, um, what was her name? Was her title Inspector Miro or whatever? Something like that. Yeah. Director Miro, whatever. Deidre. Uh, like, she just. Oh man, this, I feel bad for her in that scene. And Cyril yeah. is just a creep. But it was yeah. really funny to see. It wasn't at first. I thought, okay, he's waylaying her, but I can understand why he does it. But then everything else is just so much worse. And his look, the way he looks at her, the way he talks, what he says, all of that is just so icky. And again, amazing performance. And yeah, you can just see on her face as well. She just gets, she's just like, the fuck? And she just doesn't know how to handle it because how do you handle that? And I don't know, it was just a lot. And her, like, I don't know, her having to listen to his, you know, he really lays it on thick here. And what an inspiration she is to him. And I'm just like, okay, that that is the worst job interview ever. I think one of the things that is interesting about the scene and why I actually picked it, not because of its creepiness, is because at the end, he says, if nothing else, there was justice and beauty in the galaxy. Yeah. And it's really interesting to contrast idealism from within the Empire. And we've only really seen the you know idealistic uh, beauty and all that from the Rebellion side. And believing in something we always see you know the imperial officers are always conniving and trying to get at one another but here you have someone who wholeheartedly believes in something and he's a creep terrible person but (laughs) it is like it's as if you're seeing uh you know some sort of philosophical uh beauty from the empire and that perspective so it's it's just a fascinating reversal of um rationality for conflict that we see now in this in this scene here so i I, that's why i had to pick this one but just imagine cyril going toe to toe in a philosophical debate against i forget his name but the guy namek yeah it's just he stands no like they they kind of come from a from a similar place and that you know they think a lot about these things but he's just a joke compared to him so uh, but yeah, I totally agree that it is very interesting to see that because you know it is a matter of perspective in that in that sense, and yeah, it's it's fascinating to to get a glimpse because you know if you're within the system and you've been raised that way, you know it is it makes sense, you know, <laughs> and so how could you you know it, it it most people think that way in the empire, I'm sure, so. It's very interesting to get that insight into it, just as we just talked about with Didra. So what's your number three? My number three is incredible sequence at the ISB uh, when they're having this conversation about uh, the material stolen and the um, the pilot who was taken. Yeah. It was a masterclass in dumping information in a way that is captivating yet you don't really know what's going on yet you understand the gist of everything what's it it's it just feels so real in a way that like okay one of my pet peeves is when you know people turn to the camera and are like 
A is A, B is B, one plus one <laughs> equals two. Just they yeah. spell everything out so easily for you. And this scene, if you don't rewatch it, and I had to rewatch it multiple times to really get the details about the materials that were stolen on Losash and Kafreen and all these details and Spellhouse Power Station and all these like specific <laughs> details, but you don't have to do that to actually get the gist of what's going on. We know what's happening. We know the the the, the themes that this scene presents because it presents Miro as a successful like officer and making the right decisions here. It suggests like, okay, they're going to then kill the pilot and put him into some like they're gonna damage the plane. But oh there there's so you understand what's going on through the scene. But when you rewatch it, the speed at which the the lines are delivered, the quality of uh, the economy of words is absolutely incredible in this sequence. And for me, this is a scene that in lesser hands would be either a throwaway or an actively negative scene. But in this show, it is demonstrative of how good and talented the writers are. I think it is brilliant to take so much info dumping and put it into a brainstorming session because you're right to point out all of the rapid fire, let's do this, let's do this. Hmm, how are we going to solve this problem that the audience hasn't hasn't really been aware of yet? And yeah, it's just fantastic. Yeah, we've never seen Anto Krieger. We don't know where Kafreen yeah. is or Lozash, and we don't know the Spellhouse power station, but all of the stakes here are so clearly laid out. And as you said, this back and forth debate system is so, it's just incredible. The sequence just had my, like, you know, my jaw was dropped the whole time. Nice. All right, what's your number two? My number two is probably your number one. So we might talk about it later. The uh, interrogation slash torture scene. Yeah, that's number one, man. That's number one. (laughs) So let's talk about your number two first. My number two is the end sequence. That is my number one. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) How do you want to do this? You want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it is great, again, great writing where we get bits and pieces throughout the episode of information, but we don't really know what to make of it until this scene where Ula Fu, who we have seen throughout this episode get worse and worse in a, in a medical sense, is now collapsing, having a stroke. They call a doctor and the doctor just kills him because he, <laughs> there's nothing he can do for him. And he lets something drop that uh, that Cassian and Kino are just shocked about and that actually results in <laughs> Cassian successfully recruiting Kino, which he was, uh, you know, not so successful earlier on in the episode. And the doctor says, another week like this and you'll be begging to go so peacefully, uh, referring to Olaf, who is now just, you know, as he injects him with something that kills him. And... um yeah, obviously the quote of the scene is no one is getting out. And it's just very chilling all again in the uh, in the backdrop of there is a guard standing maybe 20 meters away who doesn't hear them but is also very aware of a clock ticking and how they behave and all of that in this condensed space that just pays off so many things we've seen before. Again, a masterclass of of writing. I think what makes this scene incredible is that it is the culmination of various threads that have been woven through the episode. Mm-hmm. And what's incredible as well is that these 
sequences or these threads began in this episode as well. Uh, began in this episode. So you're you're talking about you know the turn of Kino, Olaf slowly going bad, the what's going on in the second floor, and the rumors, and all these things coalesce at this sequence at the end of the episode, and it's just such an incredible. Because it's like it's a tension, it's a narrative tension that builds and builds and builds through each and every scene that we go back to when we're in the prison. And man, they did such a great job of bringing it all together. And I mean, poor Olaf, 41 days out, pour one out for Olaf. Mm. What a sad way to go, euthanized in the basement of a random prison where you're making probably pieces for the Death Star. And it is. It's just, and, and also Andy Circus in this scene, and the way that he's slowly realizing this, and the way he goes to anger, and actually for me, this the, the you know the standout line was just no more than twelve on each floor, the very yes. last line, and Absolutely. the that singular line released all the tension of this episode, and mm. just made me like it was I was like cheering watching, <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah. What an what a great way to end this. What a, what a, what a great way to end an episode of television that was laden with tension throughout and. Just one line after the other, it was incredible. And that's all I have to say. It's all I have to say. It was so well done. And as you said, the, the guard was so subtle, but so present at the same time that working that balancing act was, um, is, you know, I just don't have any more superlative adjectives for these scenes. <laughs> I'm just out of it because yeah. it's just so good. Okay. Okay. I have one. I think the writing in this episode is as good as HBO on the top of its game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you right now. I have to think about it as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not right now. <laughs> but one thing that I want to say about this scene as well, sorry, is that it it goes back to what Luthen was saying. And it, it totally mm. connects to that Luthen is right. Oppression breeds rebellion. Yes. And this is a consequence of that on a tangible level. And someone like Kino embodies that philosophy and that idea because it is really oppression that turns him and therefore conceivably will turn the entire rebellion and i love as well andy circus's and acting throughout this episode is so stellar just because at first he just is not on board with cassian at all then you can see there is something there but he's still absolutely in denial and then it just starts gnawing in, at him and then in the end there's nothing he can say anymore. It is just what it is. And he has to, you know, confront that truth. And, you know, it is inevitable that he now has to help everybody else for his own survival. So that that is what he is. He is a survivalist. And that was all of his demeanor until now. He was telling us in the last few episodes that all he cares about is making it until the end of his sentence. And, you know, until then, nobody dare make a move because that would reflect badly on him. So I think it's just an incredibly written character. Okay, I'll wait till the prison break. Yep, it's going to be a few more days, but then it's going to be there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we have a torture to get to, I think. From the very end of this episode to the very beginning, it Beautiful. is... This sequence, I, there has been no better start to an episode this season. 
And I think that we go right into it. I thought we were going to skip the Bix torture scene because it was the end of the last episode, but we're mm, right same. in the middle of things right now. Deirdre and her performance? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Just like the way that she says the line that you start at the top, you are in my net. Are you a fish or are you a thief? And then the last line she says before going out and she's, well, maybe not the last line, but when she looks into Bix's eyes and says, the very worst thing you can do is bore me. Oh yeah. my fucking God. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Like I had, it was so, cause I was also like, we're conditioned as an audience to like Bix. That's, you know, how things are set up. And mm-hmm. Deirdre is like this weird like character where we admire her, but hate her. And you can see how she is a psychopath in this episode. And the, 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 she, how she fits right within the empire's structure. And it is, Oh man, what an amazing and the face twitch of the actor the, the performance. I'm just is also what's great about this scene. It also exemplifies another great thing about Andor is that it's laden with little hints of humor. So for example, when um Deirdre's there, she's being all serious, like threatening Bix, and then she turns and introduces Dr. Gorst, and he gives this little like tiny funny wave with a smile, just being like, Hi. <laughs> it, just like so funny. And, you know, details like that that creates an ambiance for background characters and the show is it is just so hilarious on top of being so serious and laden with tension. And it doesn't take away from the tension. You know, it doesn't you don't have a character who is just coming in comic relief all the time, but it's subtle and it is only for certain people who have a very dark sense of humor. But for us, it is kind of funny. And the way that speaking of Dr. Gorse, when he goes into like start the torture sequence, he's just the way he talks about it. He, he's, he has the demeanor of a reassuring doctor. Like everything mm-hmm. is going to be fine. Don't worry about it. This is how we got to this information. And he's just kind of going fact basis. But then when you look at the details of what he's saying, the fact that the dying sounds of the Dizonites or the Dizonites is like creates psychological torture as a defense mechanism, like using nature in that way and manifesting that to create psychological torture and break someone's spirit from the inside to the point where there are carcass. It is who, who thinks of this kind of torture? It is so creative. Like what? Are you kidding me? It's not, it's just, and it is adds so much more terror than the, like, you know, a flying orb with a bunch of needles around it with, like, I mean, as as good as the original uh, trilogy is, that's nothing compared to these ideas that are coming out of this show in the ways to depict the Empire as a torturous place for everyone. Wow. And, like, the, just, like, the macro idea, you're using a genocide to then further torture people forever. It is, wow, what an incredible sequence. I just was aghast by this beginning of the scene and this dear listener is the tone of voice of palpable excitement that rushad has whenever he's talking about an excellent tv show (laughs) (laughs) i love it i can just hear it and i can i mean we've talked in person uh you know quite a lot of times about good media 
and you know i can just it's like i can hear your your gestures and facial expressions and just you can i can hear the uh, excitement in your voice and it's great and i have nothing more to add you've said you've said it all so it's the just last thing i have to add I have one more thing of course okay so when they they so they they start the torture and then they zoom in on bix's face amazing uh like actor performance yeah. there and they we hear her scream, and there's an immediate cut to the drilling in Andor. Mm-hmm. What a great cut. What a way to get us out of that into the next scene. Just a little detail there, but it is this show is built on every single little detail being thought through and brought together to create just an amazing work of art. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> so next week, prison break, right? has to be let's do it i can't wait <laughs> i'm so excited I, w- I wish it was wednesday already um and with that thank you so much if you've enjoyed the show give us a five star rating and again don't forget to subscribe so you can just get all of our episodes delivered right to your podcast app of choice for a shot i'm chris and talk to you next time i'm literally dancing in my seat right now <laughs> bye <laughs>